Hello there and welcome to the Recruitment Website Show. We have made it to episode number 10 and in today's episode we are going to be looking at things you should ask your uh, website provider before you hire them. So um, with my ho- with your hosts, me, Mark Wilkinson and... And me, Keith Devon. Yeah. Excellent. So I'm... Yeah, this is a, hopefully going to be a really useful episode for people. Um, I think... Whenever you're like starting off on a on a web project, it's easy to be a bit overwhelmed. You kind of you've got to kind of compare all these different services and vendors and providers and like try to make sense of them. Um, so what we've tried to do is come up with a list of questions that I think would be some of them are fairly obvious, but some of them are like a little bit more testing. I would say. Um, yep. So hopefully, one questions that people like us would potentially squirm a little bit if they're asked. Uh, and if and if they do squirm, maybe that's a bit of a red flag. I'd like to think we could handle most of these questions fairly confidently, um, but others so. may not. And that is, that's the point, I think. Um, yeah. So we've got, what have we got? 12, 12 questions? 12, yeah, 12 different questions and things to, to pose to any what, potential website provider that you might yeah. have. Um, yep. So I guess let's crack it, get cracking with the first one. Let me put Start. that on the screen. So the um, first question is, can you describe the project team? And I think what we're trying to get at here is a number of things. Um, you want to know who you're going to be working with, um, who's going to be working on the project, what kind of size of team is is kind of behind the scenes. You know, or, or is this a two-person team is this a 50-person business and you're going to have a project team of 10 and they're going to be doing X, Y, and Z? I think it's really important to just to know what the kind of general shape of a team is going to look like before before you start. Because you might have personal preferences of whether you want to work with a lot of people or a few people. Or if there are a lot of people, who are you going to be talking to on a day-to-day basis? Like, is there going to be a single kind of account manager or project manager that you can interface with all the time uh, that kind of takes responsibility? Or are you going to be thrown between loads of different people throughout the throughout the project? Definitely. I think another thing to ask about that as well is like, are those people likely to change? And there might be reasons why that is definitely going to happen. For example, it might highlight an agency that uses external freelancers to do various parts of a project and they could be open and honest and say, yep, you know, we're going to bring in person X to do this and person Y to do this. Mm-hmm. So they might be different depending on the current levels of work they've got at the time. Um, or it might give you an indication as to like, you know, whether the, if there's anyone in the business that's just not going to be there in a few weeks because they're leaving or something like that. I think that's an interesting question to ask. Um, what sort of the team team turnover and so forth and what you're going to be working with. So, uh, yeah, can you describe the project team, who you're going to be working with? Kind of an important starting point, I think, for any sort of discussions about building building a website, uh, particularly yep. recruitment one. Um, number two is what is your process? So the process that the website provider goes through to get you from no website to finished product that's live, completed, and working absolute wonders for you. Mm. And this will, a question like this will potentially highlight the fact that 
They might not have a process, in which case if they struggle to answer this question, you know, do they have a, a process that they've worked through or, or, or are they, what's the word, winging it to a certain extent? Um, yeah. I'm not sure, but looking at what that process is and making sure that they have a process is important. Keith, what, what might that process look like for an I mean, agency? Yeah, I think it depends, um, and this comes into one of the other questions uh, later on, it kind of depends on what the website uh, developer is going to be delivering as part of the project. But on a typical website project, um, you're talking about some kind of planning phase at the start, some kind of design phase, um, and this isn't just kind of graphics, but also like designing the kind of user interfaces and the user experience. So like you might know that as like wireframes and things like that. Um, then the actual you know, web design phase, like coming up with like mock-ups and things like that. Yeah. Um, then you'll typically go into some kind of development phase. So you'll take what you've planned and what you've designed and you'll start actually building it. Uh, you'll start testing things. Um, there might be like some constant iterations of that little loop like design, build, test, design, build, test, design, build, test, depending on if it's a kind of, I guess, waterfall-style project or something a bit more agile, which is another good question to ask. Um, and and then I think the really important thing to note, to get from this is, like you said, do they have a process? That, you know, And is it a process that fills you with confidence that they can yeah. uh, deliver? But also what will your responsibilities be during each of those stages of the process? So how much time will you need to give? So, you know, in, in the planning phase, it might be really, really quite intensive for you as a client, whereas in the development phase, you might not have too much to do, or maybe that's a time when you start to do your copywriting and, and you know, gathering all, all the assets for the website. So I think that the process isn't just, what the web agency goes through, it's also what you're going to go through as a client as part of the yeah. pro project. To everybody, isn't it? I think, yeah. And I think number number one, the first part of that process we said was planning. And actually, if they don't have that in their process, there's probably a red flag because that you need to. They need to know what they are building, and you need to know that they're building what you think they're building. And the planning phase is a massively important step of that. Uh, we did a, a project last year. What year are we in? Might yeah. be the year before, actually. Um, started the year before, I think. And the planning phase with that was, was three or four months long. Um, it was longer than we'd anticipated, but the planning phase was so important to understand what we were doing. And if we hadn't have done that properly, the outcomes would have been very, very different for the project. So yeah. I would I would really encourage you to, to, to flag up that what is that planning phase look like, et cetera, which is good. Um, so that's about process. The next one to look at, number three, is how do you ensure that the project stays on time and budget? Ask your website provider, what are the things that they are going to do to make sure that this thing carries on in the rate of pace that it should do? Things aren't going to spiral out of control in terms of time scales and mm -hmm. maybe more importantly, budget. Um, yeah. So what sort of things should we ask them about that particular um, I think this is this is linked in again to the process question and also linked into the next question, which is around project management. But you're just trying to get an idea just to get them. If they haven't thought about this kind of thing before, it'll become very obvious very quickly. Yeah, definitely. Um, so so we have we have ways, you know, we've we've developed, you know, we've got experience 
about delivering web projects. We've seen web projects go really well. We've seen web projects go not so well. Uh, and hopefully we've learned a few things along the way and we've adjusted those processes um, and and those planning phases and you know, communication and stuff like that. So it's just like trying to trying to get from them, not that they can just throw a figure at you, like here's a quote and it's going to take about, you know, three months. It's like, okay, yeah, you said that, but how are you going to make sure that that actually happens? Like what, what are some of the, the tools and processes that you have in place uh, to ensure that that's actually going to be the reality? Yeah, and I think if they don't mention project management in that answer, um, and, and, and they may well say, you know, we have, we have tried and tested project management processes that we use, um, which actually brings us then on to number four, which I'll put on the screen now, is what is your project management process? So for, for that, that answer and how to ensure you stay on task and on budget, it might be that we've got a fully, you know, um, full project management process. We know what we're doing. We have procedures in place. So question four then should be, well, what are those project management uh, processes? What, mm-hmm. what are you going to do throughout this project that is going to enable that management to continue well? And things that you could or should probably ask in this section are, you know, how often are you going to meet as a team and I don't just mean a team as in the, the project team delivering this. I mean, you as a team, the website provider and your team on your side of things, all of you should be meeting. Now, whether you meet everyone involved or whether you select representatives to meet and so on is, is kind of up to up to you. But for, for projects that we deliver, we always have a weekly meeting. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really matter when that meeting is. Just pick a time. It goes in the diary um, and it's every week everyone turns up and then we we go through different things so that that's keeping everyone honest it's keeping everyone um accountable to the things that they should have done in that particular week um and keeping it keeping it um keeping it moving forward mm-hmm. and then talk about what tools that you're going to use for project management presumably they're not going to say well we send emails to each other i mean that's a bit of a red flag it's not really going to be able to keep things going so do they have a tool that they use it doesn't need to be full-on project management, you know, software. We use Trello for ours, which I know is software, but it's fairly simple. It's Trello. It's not yeah. um, not rocket science, but it works well. It's a, there's a process there. Um, I think we've talked – I don't know whether we've talked about our project management process on, on previous episodes. I can't remember. Um, but we use a Trello board for each <clears> things, and cards tend to – tasks move from left to right until they're done. Uh, so that's something that we would talk about in this this, this sort of thing. Um and then also, like we would be saying to, to potential clients, you know, what what their roles are in this project management and what they should be doing. And you could ask that, what what is expected of me as a as a customer in terms mm. of what should I be delivering, when I should be delivering, it and so on. So I think those are important points for project uh, management. Anything to add? Um, no, not really. Let's move on to the next question, which is number five. What yep. ongoing support do you provide? Now, this is the topic of support is one that is rightly really important to a lot of yep. people uh, looking for a website. Whether you've maybe been burned by bad support in the past, or you just are aware that you know a website is a uh, it's an organic kind of growing thing. It's it's not usually something that you just build and it sits there for five years and then you rebuild and it sits there for five years. There's usually work that goes into it, updates to be made uh, with software and things like that. Um, 
improvements to be made, best practices to follow, you know, content to be added, like bugs to fix. There, there's all there's all kinds of stuff that happens on an ongoing basis, and that can also include things like hosting, like um, if if it's being hosted or if you're self-hosting, like who's kind of supporting that kind of thing. So there's there's lots to lots to talk about around support. So it could be, for example, um, you get a certain number of tickets per month or a certain yep. amount of development time or support time, a certain number of uh, calls or like video calls, or maybe it's free email support and paid in-person support. There's there's all kinds of ways that support and maintenance can be kind of chopped up and, and delivered. Um, but I think it's really important to get a get a grasp of it and, and get a grasp of like the time scales and the quality because we know in this industry there there is a pretty wide range in terms of like the quality of support you'll get from different vendors. Uh, there's some famously bad uh, providers in this in the recruitment industry um, with regards to support where you want to do make a simple change on your website and it takes weeks or months for anything to happen. You just want to like absolutely avoid that kind of scenario. Um, so it's 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 really important um, important to know. Yeah, definitely. And you know, support is so, so most you know you want to know you covered, don't you, going forward? So I think it's really important to ask. And I'd say, you know, if they don't mention support, actually, it's probably a red flag, and you should always ask that question. Um, yeah. But also, what type of support are you getting? You know, is it that you know if you're if you're the sort of organization that doesn't like sending emails for support requests then you know ask are you able to pick up the phone or are you able to organize a video call or whatever it might be but you need to know what you're going to get i think and that's important to ask mm -hmm. on that particular point and again if they're not sure then they might not have thought about it so you know yeah. think about that as a as a point and, and also like how much does it cost like is it all included in a in a ongoing monthly cost is is a support a maintenance contract additional at the end of a project you know, does is the cost likely to go up or down? What you know, if you and ask it, the developer to do something that isn't covered in support, what happens? Yeah, I think that's super happens? important. Yeah. Like there, there could be things that you need to do or ask for features that you want to add that might might not be covered in a general support contract. How much is that stuff likely to cost, and how long is that likely to take? And I, I've seen I've seen proposals and things that have like mandatory support, like you have to have twelve month support with us. Ask that as well. You know, mm -hmm. am I going to be tied into a specific contract length of support that you need to take? Yeah, definitely something to ask. Number six on our list, or halfway there after this, is what will you not not be doing as part of this project? So there, there's often in a proposal, for example, you would see, you know, we're going to deliver this, and we're going to deliver this, and we're going to deliver this. But I think what's important is what what sometimes what is seen as obvious by both parties as not being delivered or being delivered. Um, what specifically are you not going to be delivering as part of the project? So one one thing that's the obvious thing for this for me is like the content. So if you're building mm -hmm. a website, it's probably not going to be the website vendor or the website provider's responsibility to provide content. Um, but for example, who's going to add that content? Who's going to actually whether it's copy and paste it into the into the website, who's going to actually do that? You know, you might be thinking, well, I'm just going to deliver a lot of Word documents to the website provider, and they're going to actually put it into the system. The website provider might be saying, well, hang on a minute, 
we're not doing that. That was always your job. We're building you a content management system. Therefore, we want you to add it into the system. So yeah. working out who what is not being done as part of this and stating the obvious, I think, is also um, really important. Another example would be stuff like um, browser compatibility, for example. It might be plainly obvious to the website provider that we're only going to build this for the latest versions of all the browsers. But you might have a specific case. Well, hang on, everyone here uses IE 11. I don't know why you'd still do that, but it's a good example. <laughs> Therefore, we need to work on that. Therefore, that's something that you may need to, if, if they state what's not provided, it'll be plainly obvious to you when you read it that actually we're going to fall down there because we need this support or something like that. Yeah. So ask them what that is the case. What can they tell you that's not included in the cost is an important one. Yeah, there's a really, really big one here is uh, you mentioned content, but, and that's true. Like who, I guess who's going to be writing and creating the content, but also if there's content to migrate, yes, who's going to be doing that? Because I think that's something that it's sometimes assumed that maybe a web developer or something will be able to do when sometimes that's actually pretty much physically impossible because the hard, platform yeah. that you're currently on doesn't provide any kind of export uh, facility and then you're kind of stuck in copy and paste mode so um i think that's really important and also branding i think um when there's you know on these projects there's usually like a design element to it but does that include actually coming up with the brand like if you're a startup are these are, the, are you expecting the web developers to actually create the brand for you as well or is that happening separately and then they're just going to take that brand and uh and base the web design on it yep yep points um number seven is you know ask them do they have any industry experience have they built recruitment agency websites before do they have any experience of doing that there are very specific things on a recruitment site that are not on a normal website things that will catch people out if they don't know what they're doing and therefore mm -hmm. i would be asking this question one of the obvious things in this in this this side of things <coughs> excuse me is a job board so a job board is pretty much you know wanted on most recruitment websites and it has some very uh, interesting distinct things that are different one of those we've talked about in a previous episode is structured data and outputting mm -hmm. that to make sure it gets picked up in google jobs to understand what that is and so forth you know and one of the things you probably want when you're asking for most projects in life is have have they done this before know have they got experience of doing it can they prove to you that they've done it and, and can deliver on it yeah we we've seen because we work in wordpress we've seen a lot of recruitment <clears throat> websites built by just gen, like kind of general wordpress developers um and s the way that they approach the job boards can be very different and actually some some of these developers kind of like decide to rule their own job boards so they they kind of create those data structures and pages and stuff themselves and actually they're missing a lot of that uh structured data uh and functionality that you would maybe expect from a normal job board so we've seen ones that like you know the, the searching and filtering is pretty much non-existent the structured data is non-existent the you know the seo structure of it is really poor Whereas expiring just, jobs is one as well expire, we expiring to expire jobs. jobs and how to do yeah. it and what to do when they expire and what what to do when people actually apply for those jobs there's yeah. it's just very nuanced and i like this this is an area that you actually want some experience in i think the rest of a recruitment website is 
typically fairly generic in terms of it's a it's a b2b website like brochureware website it's it's really the job board that is uh is the thing that's so specific to the industry um which is the next question actually so the next question yeah number eight is can you show me some job boards that you have built so yeah you know making a uh proving good on what they've said for question seven there if if the answer is yes we've done that then have a look at some you know do they do these things that we've just been mentioning um, you know, what are the search and filter options that they have? Is it, well, yeah, I've made a job board and you can search for jobs. Is it literally just a box where you can type in a keyword? Does it have a more detail faceted search? What sort of thing are you looking for? And does it match mm-hmm. your expectations on what they're going to deliver? You know, that sort of thing. And like we've said, do the jobs that they put have structured data? Again, if you watch the previous episode, we can talk about how to test those jobs. So you could test some of the previous ones, see if they actually have these features and they work properly yeah. and so forth. And can candidates apply, you know, and how do they apply? Is it an application form? Is that what you want? Or is it a link out to an external service? Um, have a look at them, scrutinize them, ask questions about them if you need to. But, you know, is it what you think you should be delivered potentially? Yep. Yep. So, um, question, number, question number nine is, can you show me how content will be managed? This this is a really important one. I'll let you cover this one. Yeah, I, for me possibly the most not the most important they're all important in their own ways but yeah this this is one that we have a particular passion for i think um so it's all very well and good being delivered a really kind of beautiful website that it's got all these fancy animations and beautiful homepage and background videos and like the job board works well and and everything and then you go to change something on the website, like you want to add something to the about page or change something in the footer and you can't, or it's very difficult, or when you try to do it, everything breaks. Um, it is, I, th- I think the the range of content management is, is huge. Uh, so I think it goes... <laughs> blew our own trumpets here because this is this is what we this is what we actually like are very very passionate about so when we build a website we essentially try to make every single thing every bit of text every image that you on that website editable in some fashion um and what we mean by that is you don't need to come to a developer or a website builder to make a change you can yeah. do it in the content management system that we will deliver yeah, exactly. And as and on top of that, so everything that you're delivered is editable, but also there's really no limit to what you can create in terms of there's no page limit. So you're not limited to 10 pages and X number yeah. of blog posts and you've got three templates to use, you know, especially with the the modern version of of the WordPress editor. We like gone are the days of will deliver you five templates. You choose which one to use and input your text here, 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 and your images there, there, and there. It's a much more flexible, modular way of building websites where if you want to create, and this really comes into its own, I think for marketing departments who want to create landing pages and campaign pages. Um, And so they've got a vision for what they want it to look like. And they want it to look different to other areas of the website potentially. Now they can, and they should be able to do that without going to back to their web developer uh, and being charged a whole load and maybe like their monthly fee goes up because they've asked for something one time. Yeah. Um, 
so it, like yeah there's there's so much to a site that you want to be able to edit without coming to people like us <laughs> to do yeah, it for you sure and in terms of like limits as well, you know, a lot of, <clears throat> I say a lot, certainly some website, recruitment website vendors, you know, they limit the amount of jobs you can have on the site as well. So, and that might be yeah. fine. That might be absolutely fine for yep. you, but it's worth knowing, you know, can you have 50 jobs on there at any one time or what, yep. what's going to happen? You know, I've got 50 jobs. My plan's 50 jobs. What's going to happen when I want to have a 51st job? Can yep. I not do that? Do I have to upgrade it? Can I upgrade it? All those sorts of questions are really important yep. to ask I think um, in terms of that. The way this question, the way I wrote this question is important. So I've said, can you show me? And I think Come on. if you can get a visual demo on a, on a video call, like you're on Zoom or whatever, yeah. and you can actually get someone to show you a website that they've built and show you how that bit of text is edited and how that image in the footer is edited and how you change the telephone number of this person over here. That'd be, that's super powerful. So I, I would definitely ask for that kind of demo. Because I think you might be surprised. <laughs> yeah, and if they can't show you that, then there's probably some red flags. Don't get me wrong. They might not be able to show you that website because there might be issues about, you know, looking at the back yeah. end of someone's website. But yeah, absolutely. You know, they could certainly do some sort of like staging environment or remove the, the copy there or even just show you a similar site of something else that they could use. I think that's important to, mm -hmm. to show you. Um, let's move on to question number 10 that you should be asking your future website providers. What performance scores can I expect and how will you help deliver these? So for this one, we're talking about um, performance scores such as Google PageSpeed Insights, things like GT Metrics, um, performance in terms of the speed at which those web pages will be loaded. Now, this is a difficult question, actually, for a website provider to answer because a lot of the time, once they've delivered the website, external factors may Im Im influence those uh, scores. Things you want to add to the pages after that as wants to, you know, may limit the scores. You may want to, to run tracking scripts and Google Analytics and things that are going to load in mm -hmm. that you, you know, you didn't know in the first place. But I think... Um, if they can give you an idea of what they're going to do to make those scores the best they can, then that's going to be good. Um, if they haven't got an answer for that question completely at all, then that's a bit of a red flag. But they should be able to talk about the things they do on a website to make those scores as high as possible. We we certainly do that on calls. Um, we can talk about you know responsive images and lazy loading images and and all those sorts of things mm -hmm. that will improve the page speed scores. Maybe they won't be able to say, hey, we're going to get you a 95 score on mobile because that is very difficult. And actually, if they did say that, I'm not sure that that would fill me with confidence, to be fair. I think they'd have to prove it. They'd have to back it up yeah. the sites that they've built. Um, and that's another thing to do. Actually, you don't even really need to ask this question. You can go to someone's portfolio, uh, run them through the, the online yep. speed tests yourself. Uh, and and see what comes up. Yeah, definitely. But worth mentioning, you know, performance is important, isn't it? So it's worth mentioning. Yeah. Number 11, what are the details of the contract? So obviously you're going to have a contract with your website provider and it's worth looking and asking them what those details are, if it's not obvious already from conversations you've ever had. So things like how long is the contract? So if it's a, a monthly payment, what am I tied into? So is it like a two-year contract and I'm paying X per month? So therefore, I can know how much I've got to pay. Um, what happens at the end of that contract? 
is the website mine? Can I take it, move it wherever I want to? Do I have full access to the code? Can I make changes and such after that contract? Can I make changes mm-hmm. within the contract? Um, what happens if I decide halfway through the contract that it's not for me? Can I buy out? Can I leave? Can I leave without having the website? It's really worth knowing the answers to those questions. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. And if if the answer is you can't take it with you when you're finished or it's not yours, can you export the content in a format that makes sense to other providers? That's a good question to ask. Yep. Um, so, yeah, details of contracts are definitely important. And then the last one is references, Re- Keith. Yeah, references. I mean, I for me, I think this is the most important. I said content management is the thing that we are most passionate about, and I think it is super, super important. References are just the best way to actually learn about whether someone's worth working with or not. And I would just ca- I'd caveat that with the fact that you want to get references from similar projects and probably similar sized clients to yourself. So if you're a one man startup, uh, you probably, it's probably not that relevant to get a reference from a multinational em- enterprise. Um, you probably want to be looking for like similar size companies, similar size projects, websites that you potentially like the look of. Um, I would recommend talking on the phone with people if you can. I think you could probably get a much stronger idea of how someone feels uh, and they're potentially li- more likely to be honest on the phone than they are in an email because an email is a kind of, you know, it's a, ri- it's a written record. And so I think people are more likely to be you know, honest about the the nitty gritty uh, on in a phone call than they are over an email, um, and then ask questions like, you know, how how was the experience? Like, what are they like to work with? Are they friendly? Are they combative? Like, were were issues easy to resolve? Uh, like, were they supportive? Did they go missing during the project? All these kind of things. Did the project come in on time and on budget? If it didn't, you know, what were the reasons for that? Um, the ultimate question would would you hire them again if you were in the same situation i think that's you know that's a kind of catch-all question um ask them specifically about support what's the kind of aftercare being like and ongoing support being like um responsiveness of questions and things like yeah exactly um and then get as many as you can i think i think one of the dangers with references is that you you ask a company for references they cherry pick their best two or three clients or projects give you those and and all you're going to hear is glowing reviews. I think, and it's quite easy to do actually, especially if you're going for one of the bigger providers, look at their portfolio and just grab a list of, again, companies that are similar to your, to your own uh, and find them yourself, (laughs) like connect Mm -hmm. with them on LinkedIn and say, look, I'm, I'm about to build my website. I'm thinking of hiring this, this team, uh, would love to would love to pick your brains, and and then you're not getting those kind of cherry picked. These are the these are the only the projects that went well. Um, you're potentially getting some that uh, maybe didn't go so well, or you might get a slightly more balanced view. I would think. Yeah, there's nothing like talking to others that have used someone as there and getting their opinion and seeing what the what the quality's like. I think that's important. Yeah, so definitely references are good. Anyway, so there you have it. There are twelve things that you should ask your website provider before, obviously, like committing to a project and hiring them to deliver your website project. 
And hopefully they will be able to answer those, give you some uh, solid answers and give you some confidence that they are going to deliver the project that uh, that you need. Um, so that's all from us this week. If you would um, like to watch more of us, then we have all of our past shows on the Recruitment Website Show LinkedIn page, which I would encourage you to follow, please. Um, and then we can uh, keep you up to date with the latest episodes. Uh, we will be live again next Wednesday at half one. Topic yet to be decided. If you have any um, ideas for topics, then please let us know that we can discuss with them. And if you've got any questions on this topic, you can contact myself and Keith on LinkedIn. Let us know your thoughts and uh, we can uh, we can try and answer them. But uh, until next week, we will see you then. See you soon. Bye.